podcast where I, Jessica, Organizer-in-Chief of Decipher Spain, a relocation and admin service for expats, introduce you to navigating Spain, the culture and the wonderful people I've met here since I first moved in 2008. A notoriously bureaucratic country, but with an exceptional quality of life once you get it right, the aim of Decipher is to ensure my clients and anyone who passes through my corner of the internet learn to love Spain as much as I love Spain. So join us as we discuss the wonderful, the frustrating and the downright fabulous life that living in Spain can afford you. Okay, after many, many technical technical difficulties, we're here. We're sitting on a lovely rooftop um, at the living room co-working where Paula, today's guest, tends to work during the week. So Paula, introduce us. Who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? All of those interesting things. Great. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, this is a rooftop. We're really, really fortunate to be here. My name is Paula Melbourne and I am a hybrid. And by that, I mean, I am a British Canadian. The accent's a little bit messed up. So before you go mad trying to work it out, I was born in the UK, but I grew up in Canada. And I've also lived in France and in Hong Kong and Russia and Bermuda. And now I live in Spain. You didn't get lost in Bermuda. I did not get lost in the triangle. <laughs> I drank many Bermuda triangles, but I live to see the day. Um, and I have been in Spain four years now, four years wow. this month. And I am a career coach and I established my own business here called the Maple Leaf Coach. Wonderful. And what brought you to Spain? Out of all the different places that you'd lived, what, what was it about Spain that really drew you in? There wasn't a conscious decision to come to Spain. It actually came out more of circumstances um, in that my parents retired here 10 years ago. Okay. So while I was living in Hong Kong, my parents retired here to Andalusia. My family and I were very surprised because there was no real connection, but they just, they are very adventurous, intrepid people, which is probably where I got it from. And they just decided in their late sixties to come to Spain. So I, before I moved back to London from Hong Kong, bought a little house in a tiny whitewash village called Sedea. Oh yes, lovely. You know where Sedea? Yeah. And Sedea is near Compita, that area. So I bought a little house there as a vacation home in order that I could, from London, come to Spain, spend time with my parents. Okay. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of this journey. So you dipped your toes in the water. I, yeah, I dipped my toes in the water and I loved having holidays here. I brought many friends out and family and stayed in my home in the same village and spent wonderful uh, quality time. My parents have many, many memories. However, um, sadly, about four years ago, my father became very ill and I was I was doing a master's degree at the time in the UK, in Sussex. And so I came out when he was um, very ill and I didn't know how long I would be here for. I thought it might be a few weeks. I thought it could be a few months. Um, he had been diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer. Oh dear. So it was very serious. So I got here and I just stayed. I had the fortune of having my home here and I wasn't working at the time. I was writing the thesis for my master's degree. Um, and so what happened in the end is incredibly, my father survived six months, wow. which from that diagnosis is quite unusual. This type of disease is really quick, um, but he fought hard and I stayed um, for that time. And by the time we reached the six months point, um, I was learning Spanish. I was getting used to life here. Mm -hmm. And I was looking after my parents' dog, and I was actually considering staying here and also 
thinking about my mom and what she was going to do. And my plan had been to come to Spain in about 10 years time. Okay. So this was my grand retirement plan. But life has a way of getting in the way of some of your plans and changing things. Um, so I made the decision a few weeks before my father passed and I told him this, um, that I was going to stay here. So I relocated, um, did everything, closed everything down um, in the UK and moved here four years ago. Wow. So that's interesting in the retirement sense. A lot of people say, I'm going to retire to Spain. And I say, why wait? Why not just come and work? So you've just set up your business. Yes. Um, you've had your property here for, for several years. Yes. Why the change from, right, I see it as a retirement place to, I actually see it as a place I can do business. It's a really good question. So what I had done before I made that decision, and if we take my father's illness and death out of it, I had already made a decision to move a bit away from corporate life and London living, more stressful city kind of living that I had had a 25-year career in. So I'd already moved from London to Brighton. Okay. So that was like step one okay. of starting to think about working and living differently. So I see this now that what happened with my father was the greatest gift that he ever gave me. This is why this happened, yeah. uh, because it brought me here. So what I was actually wanting to do was to make some major changes in my life, you know, in my 40s, yeah. not at retirement age. Yes. Actually needed and wanted to do that. And what happened with him also really clarified for me priorities, you know, about how valuable time is. Never to defer your happiness. Yeah. You know, don't assume that everything you can do when you're retired, that you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, you've got your health, you know, use your time wisely, yeah. you know, do all the things that bring you joy, surround yourself with the best people, do and live as much as you can now. Yeah. So what it helped me understand is that I could work differently and I wanted to work differently. I just hadn't considered Spain as a base for that, yeah. but I was very open to it. Mm -hmm. So... When I made the decision to stay, I decided to leave Sedea because it was a fantastic vacation yeah. location. It's sleepy. But yes, sleepy and um, just not, not dynamic enough for me and too far away from the coast and Malaga City and the airport. And I was imagining I was going to be perhaps traveling a bit more, but this being my base. So I moved down to the coast and moved closer to the city of Malaga. And then I spent the first year, year and a bit thinking about, you know, how how I could leverage my skills, how I can earn money here, mm -hmm. how I would work and how all of this would operate. So eventually came to the conclusion of maximizing my network that I have obviously a global one from all the places I lived and worked yeah. and using my HR and consulting skills that were well honed over a couple of decades to really focus on the part of work that I love, which is career coaching, which is something that's transformational and something that I really enjoy. and. If you fit that in with what happened with the pandemic and a more agile workforce, what a lot of people have realized, and I certainly realized, is that you can work from anywhere. Absolutely. And that's why so many people, when I have my calls with so many people and they say, I just don't know what I'd do. I say, you can do anything. You don't have to be going to work every day. Yeah. Open your mind to the possibilities that you are actually planning on leaving an office environment. That doesn't mean you have to step back into it. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about locations, and there is, you'll probably know better than me, but there was a study that came out recently of, you know, the best places for expatriates to live and, and the best places to work remotely. 
and well, Spain is on that list, and in fact, Malaga City. Malaga City is a big one. You know, is is a huge and one. And again, that come where we are. We're sitting in this lovely co-working facility. So many nationalities, yeah. so many different activities, and you know you're meeting people all the time and getting ideas from what other people, how other people work and what they do, and it's very international. It's a hugely international. It city. is. I love it. So as a base, so I suppose it's sort of two things conspiring to say yes. I wanted to change the way I was working and living, but at the same time, the onset of remote working and virtual working was accelerated by the pandemic. Yeah. So it really did give me that great opportunity to say, I'm going to set this up here. This is my base. However, um, I am, I do travel sometimes to London and other cities. Obviously, that's been limited in the last little yeah. while, but I do normally um, do that. I was in Canada in September. So, but the majority of my work is here and it's done virtually. Um, and my clients are in Hong Kong, Montreal, London, they're everywhere. Um, but I love being part of an international community here. And as I've learned Spanish in the last few years, I now have a very full, rich life with international friends, Spanish friends. I, I, I don't live in an area which is um, more of a retirement or expatriate area. I chose to settle in an area it's where Spanish. it's more Spanish, more traditional, and I would be required to integrate. Yes. So this wasn't perhaps the easy road. I did. I did. I put myself there. So the first year wasn't easy, but it was my choice. So if I wanted to go, I had to go to the pharmacy or had to take my car to a mechanics, take your pet to the vet. I had to figure out what I was going to say and learn it and push myself and get myself yeah, well out of my comfort zone. But now I'm well on the other side of it, four years in. Um, where I've I've learned the language and I I just really enjoy this culture and not just sunshine but you know the the amazing aspects of the people that are in it and the fact that I have such a higher better quality of life than I ever imagined yeah, absolutely. so one of the questions that I always ask people is now, especially now that you've been here for four years yeah. what is your favorite part of your week what is the thing that you go oh this is why I moved here for me, I'm a big outdoors person. I'm a, I'm a very active person. I'm part of hiking groups and many other um, active pursuits. But I live right by the beach in Rincón de la Victoria. So the favorite parts of my week, I do this more than once, is at least three times a week I go in the morning before I start work. And I do either a very brisk beach walk with my headphones on or a jog. And that feeling of being out there, the, the freedom, the sunshine, I just feel happy yeah. and joyful and so incredibly fortunate yeah. when I'm when I'm out there doing that. I usually try to do that on a Monday. I also live right down on the beach but the other end of Malaga. And I try to do that on I mean I do it every day because I walk the dog, but I specifically try to do it on a Monday so that I can wake up and go, Your Monday mornings are very different now. Keep your cool. Don't get upset. Don't get stressed. This is the life. This is what you've created. This is it. It is just worth so much. Yeah. So you are now, you're, you're very integrated to both the Spanish side. You're in the, you've got a great international network as well. Um, what is your, what would be your advice to yourself pre-move? Like Paula from four years ago, what would you say to her? That's a really good question. I would have moved to Malaga sooner. I would have moved to Malaga sooner than I did, um, okay. not by a great amount, but maybe, maybe six months earlier. Okay. And 
I believe I would have joined some communities that I'm now in earlier. Okay. Um, so I did join Internations. I did join my hiking group. But communities that are in the area that I live. So, for example, now I do the Intercambio. Okay. But, and that's great. It's social, but it's also obviously great for language. That I would have done some of those things a little bit earlier. Okay. So I took my time to integrate. Obviously, I, the destination is the same but I perhaps could have accelerated some of my integration if I'd done some of those things earlier. So push yourself out of the comfort zone and just get the work, the hard work done earlier. Yes, yes. Great. <laughs> so you live here all year round. I do. Do you prefer the winter or the summer in Malaga? I prefer the winter. Yeah, I see, so do I. I love being here in the winter. I'm, I'm all right not to be here in July and August. Yeah. Um, that's usually the opportunity I take to go and see my family in Canada mm -hmm. or go other places. Yeah. I mean, I know that I have friends in Ireland who often say to me, I'll go over this summer. And I think, don't come over this summer. Don't do it to yourself. It's awful. <laughs> come over degrees. in the autumn, in the winter, when Ireland is so miserable and grey. Yes. We, I think we, we have this idea of a summer holiday. It doesn't have to be a summer holiday. It can no. be a, a, a winter getaway. Yeah. I love this time of year that we're in now, like between January and March. Yeah. You know, average sort of 18 degrees, mostly sunny days. So it makes you feel even more fortunate yeah. to, to be able to have this outdoor lifestyle. We're sitting here outside. Absolutely. It's, it's the middle in of January. January. <laughs> no, no, no chance of rain. No, none. Absolutely. So yeah, winter for me. Okay. So I know earlier we were talking about sherry and you were an avid sherry drinker. I am an avid sherry drinker. <laughs> we are going to go and avidly drink sherry when we're finished this. <laughs> um, <laughs> When you pass by a bar, when you plan to go out at the weekend, are you more inclined towards a clean, modern, upscale tapas bar or Grandpa Manolo's mucky bar with chicken wing bones all over the floor and he's probably smoking in the corner even though he shouldn't be? <laughs> you won't like this, but I'm not going to choose either of them because I'm someone, because of the life that I've led, in the way that I was brought up, who is as comfortable sipping champagne on a rooftop as I am in a spit and sawdust pub. I love both of them. Yeah. So I actually like to mix up modern, you know, really chic type of rooftop with an expensive cocktail. And then on another day, you know, one of these rustic, you know, places that just is so local that you would yeah. never find. To me, that's really experiencing living you know, on the coast or in Malaga. That's how I learned Spanish. When people say to me, how did you learn your Spanish? Bars. Bars, 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 bars. <laughs> I just didn't leave bars. And I used all of the napkins. You know, the napkins that don't actually mop anything up. Yes. They're useless for everything except writing words on them. <laughs> and I, every every Monday after the, after the weekend, and I count the weekend as kind of Thursday through to Sunday night, I would have a stack about five inches high of these napkins with all these words written on it that I'd sit down on Monday morning and study. I didn't know that. Yeah. This is brilliant. But yeah, it's it's such an experience to be in one of these sort of really traditional bars where not the furniture, nothing has changed in 50 years. Yeah. And if you can have some conversations with people, because often they're curious about you yeah, because you're, you're not your average person to walk in there. And, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people, you know, where are you from? I say, oh, it's all Canadian. say, how long have you been here? And you tell them and they sort of say, well, why, you know, why have you chosen here? You could live anywhere. Yeah. And you have a, a great conversation about what you love about it. And they share things with you. They suggest things to you. Oh, try the such and such beer or try the whatever. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's great. Absolutely, and I, I, I mean, I love it. But my my roots, I suppose, are always going to be in the the mucky bark. <laughs> That's how when I think back, because I spent four years in rural Spain, um, so there was no That's what exists. fancy rooftops. And it was only when I got to Malaga, I thought, oh, this this is fancy. I like this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, this. a great example I like to use is when I used to visit Sedea and my parents. My father used to drink what's called tubos. Now, you'll probably know what this is. So when we were in little bars in Sedea, of which there's only two, <laughs> you would go in and you would order a tubo. And a tubo is a shape of a glass like a tube, a tall, yeah, narrow, skinny, and it's a skinny, a skinny one. And it costs a euro. Yes. So because I didn't know any Spanish and I was visiting from the UK, I thought that that is you know, what a beer is called. Oh, no. So when I left the Campo, the countryside and then I started you know traveling more in Spain and spending more time in Malaga and Madrid and other cities I, I went into a bar once and I ordered a tubo and the, the person at the bar had absolutely no idea what I was talking about it's like if you go to Madrid and you order a pitufo <laughs> that's a smurf they're like no little blue people around here no, pitufos only which is a, a pitufo which is a breakfast it's actually the size of the bread that they use here for breakfast that's right but it's only Malaga yeah, so there. So that was a really that was a great learning experience to understand the shapes of glasses, and then Campesino Spanish and Andalusia versus what you would ask in a in a more modern place. Yeah. So I definitely made that adjustment. Excellent. Um, what about the siesta? The famous siesta. Do you respect it, or do you work through? Obviously, you're working kind of internationally. So, what are your feelings on the siesta? On the siesta? I'm a big fan of the siesta. I'm a siesta lover. And if I'd had the opportunity before I lived in Spain, I would have definitely taken more siestas. I think for me, it energizes me. Perhaps when you first wake up, you feel a little bit groggy, but within five, 10 minutes of that, I, I could then work into the evening and have a lot more energy for the rest of the day. I tend to probably like a lot of Spanish people take more siestas in the hot weather. Yeah. And that's where they come from having to, to rest because the, the sunshine and heat's taken it out of you. Exactly. Um, so my ideal would be probably to take a siesta around four o'clock, the orders de descanso. Um, but this is not something that I, I plan and structure every day. Okay. But if it does happen, I'm delighted. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> is there anything in the last four years that cropped up that you thought, oh my God, that wasn't expected? Yes. Um, and it'll be around... Uh, bureaucracy and property buying. Ah, okay. So I had I had an unfortunate experience when I bought my previous property. Um, just things that I wouldn't have expected and wouldn't have known, things okay. that were things that were hidden, things and to, to avoid any problems with property buying. I had a really clean, efficient um, experience with mine so I don't have that bad experience yes plenty of other bad experiences but I don't have that one right for people to avoid any kind of a bad experience with property buying what would your advice be my advice would be make sure that you have a good lawyer a really good one um, that's been recommended to you if you don't know them already I um, mean make sure that you engage that lawyer before you commence the process of buying the property okay. so not after you've paid the deposit and you've decided on the property actually when you found a property you like and your, your, your offering at that point is to get the lawyer involved then so that they look at all of the paperwork, understand if the property is legal, are there any debts on the property, who are the owners, really, really look at the stuff. Um, often there won't be a translation if you don't speak Spanish, so you're gonna miss some things. You can buy a home and find out that parts of the home aren't legal yeah. and you'll end, up in, you'll end up 
inheriting a lot of issues, which you then are responsible for. So good lawyer, get them involved early and, and just sort all that out before you start paying deposits and getting tied into the purchase. Perfect. I think that's great. That's great advice because like I said, my property purchase was so easy that when people say to me, how easy is it to buy property? It's like, easy as pie. And when I bought my first home in Sudea, it was exactly that. You know, the people that I was buying from, there was, there were no issues and yeah. it was straightforward, but it can happen and does happen yeah. um, that these things are unexpected. So you just really need to be diligent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you have any regrets from your move to Spain? None. It is the best thing that I've done. And it was something that was so unexpected, particularly at this point in my life. I was 47 when I moved here. I'm now 50. Um, but no, uh, it, it is the best. It's just given me a completely different lease on life. And also, I feel incredibly fortunate that my mom lives here. She yes. lives in Torox. She I lives, wish my mom lives here. 20 minutes from me. So I'm a, you know, she's also now enjoying life here. And she has a completely new chapter of her life after everything. So no, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. And I have no regrets at all about making this decision. Well, that's wonderful. I think we better go and have a little drop of sherry. Game on. Game on. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs>